Hi, I'm Nicole. In 2007, I had an RNY gastric bypass. It has been quite a journey. And I've kept over 100 pounds off. Welcome to the Let Them Eat Life podcast, where we talk about all of the things gastric bypass. In this first episode, I sit down with my good friend, Nadia, who is three months post-op with an RNY. Thank you for listening to this first stop on our new adventure. Nicole? Yes. Why are we doing this? <laughs> well, I've wanted to do a podcast for a while. So in my journey and, and different things, a lot of people now that it's been 16 years, I've been very open about the fact that I've gastric bypass. Because even now when I eat, I eat such a small amount of food that people will ask questions. Mm-hmm. They want to they make sure I don't have a, an ED Mm-hmm. You know, disordered eating. Um, and usually it's people coming from a place of concern. It's not It's not people coming from a judgmental place. Because I'm so open with my gastric bypass, over the years, different people have asked me different things. And then 2018, 2019, I had a bit of a health crisis. I was in grad school. I was super stressed out and I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't going and doing my lab work, my vitamins got way off and I didn't realize it. I just thought it was the stress of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And instead of going to the doctor, like one should, I kind of just blew it off. Granted, I was in Ohio, which is not the state I usually live in. So I was in a much more rural area because I normally live in a city. I went and got my lab work done at school and they said, oh, well, you're, you're a little off, you're a little anemic, but they weren't treating me as a gastric bypass person. They were treating me as somebody with a normal digestive tract. So they're like, oh, well, just up your vitamins and then you'll be fine. And then six weeks later, they tested my labs work, but they didn't do a full, full labs. They just saw where my blood iron level was at and were like, okay, good. You're fine. You're good. So came back home, went back to work, went out, did everything. And then I started just feeling really bad, really down. Again, blew it off, thought it was stress. And then I got to the point where I got super dizzy one week. And I was drinking a lot of fluid, thinking I was dehydrated. And I finally was like, I got to go in to the doctor. I got to go to urgent care and figure out what's going on. So I go into urgent care. At first, they give me a seasick patch. A seasick patch. A seasick patch. Yeah. And I got there right when it opened at like 10 a.m. So I was one of the first people there. They came, they saw me, but I kept getting bumped. I could just tell I was getting bumped and pushed because there were people that had more urgent things going uh-huh. on. I go upstairs, I get my lab work done and they're like, okay, well, we're going to call you back. And they're like, okay, well, we're just waiting for one last test to come through, but we just think you're dehydrated or feeling, you know, nauseous or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of blowing me off. I, f- I was at the point where it was now like almost two o'clock in the afternoon and I'd gotten there at 10 a.m. Oh, I just wanted to go home at that point. Of course. I was like, you know, I'm sure I'll feel better tomorrow, whatever. And so I was sitting outside and I was waiting. My dad had made a phone call. So it was because he'd gone with me because I was feeling dizzy enough. I didn't want to drive. And then all of a sudden, one of the nurses comes running out and, and our health insurance, the nurses aren't exactly known for running up to a patient to mm-hmm. find them. And being like quite that attentive, she, she, you know, she's being very urgent. And where I was sitting, they have a couple of wheelchairs out front. And I just happened to have sat down in one of the wheelchairs because nobody was using it. I went to stand up and she said, no, no, she stopped me. And she was very adamant. Don't stand up, just stay in the wheelchair and let's go 
and I will take you in the back. So they took me in the back and they let me know my iron was so low that they needed to immediately transfer me to the hospital to get um, blood transfusions because I was on the edge of either having um, a stroke or a heart attack. Dude. Yeah, I was a 6.7 where you're supposed to be a 15. Oh my God. So they transferred me to the hospital. I got the two blood transfusions. It went up to a nine, which is still low. Wow. But I had an allergic reaction at that point to the second blood transfusion. So they had to give me like Benadryl. It was this this whole huge thing. Okay. I'm the type of person that on Facebook and social media, I don't just do, this is the happiest day of my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm one of the few people that will actually be like, I'm having a rough day or this is going wrong or that's going wrong. So I had posted and, and people knew I was struggling with something and I hadn't quite put my finger on it. So when I ended up in the hospital and everything, I posted about it. And one of the big things was that I was so exhausted every time I would take a nap, not realizing every time I laid down to sleep, I was getting less oxygen. Because you say anemic and people are like, okay, you have low blood iron. It's like, no, you're suffering from oxygen deprivation. You don't have enough iron to grab enough oxygen get the cells to get oxygen to your cells so you you are suffering from oxygen deprivation when you have anemia and not everyone really understands that or realizes that that's what it means Mm. you're not getting enough oxygen so when I would sleep I would wake up completely exhausted and so I wrote about that about how I was so exhausted and had I gotten my lab work done it would have gotten caught before it ever came close to being me being in a place where I would need a blood transfusion and then after I posted about it, I got a message from one of our coworkers. Mm-hmm. His goddaughter was dealing with cancer. You know, she was like 11, 12 years old. But her mom had had an RNY gastric bypass 10 years before. And she, they were in the hospital taking care of her daughter. And my co- coworker is standing there and she's talking about, and I just take these naps and I wake up and I'm just so exhausted. And no matter what I do, I'm just so drained. Mm. And this little light bulb went off in his head. And he said, you know, one of my coworkers has been complaining about that. And it turned out it was her iron. When was the last time you got your labs done? You know, I've been taking care of my kid and yeah, I, I really have blown off my health. And he said, please, please, I'm begging you. Just humor me. Go get your lab work done. And she went and got her lab work done. And she was on the edge of needing a blood transfusion. They said if she had kept going the way she was going, within a couple of months, she would have passed out (sighs) in the middle of everything. They were able to give her iron infusions and prevent her from getting a blood transfusion. Mm. But he was writing me to thank me because me talking about my symptoms and what had happened was the light bulb moment of him hearing her complaining about her health issues that they were like, no, this is, this could be very serious and we don't need you in the hospital along with your daughter. We need you to be at your best so that we can take care of both of you. I feel like I've already helped one person by doing that. And I wanted to do something and talk about it more where I could possibly help more people. So that's why I've been wanting to do something where I could reach more people and and give them more help and support. I feel like so many people feel like they're alone when they're not. And I realized that in talking to the other people I've met over the years that other programs don't have the support that my doctor gave me. 
And sometimes just talking to other people about what you're going through or the different things that you've read can be so helpful. Mm-hmm. And then when I looked out there, looked out around, because at one point I did try to start an Instagram like five years ago, and it just it just didn't it just didn't come together. But I thought I would try this, and then when I looked around, there really weren't very many people who've had the R and Y. There's a lot of people who've had the sleeve. And, you know, they've got great content out there. It, they're really inspiring, mostly women, but a couple of guys that are out there talking about it. But that made me want to at least explore this and see if I can help more people. Wow. That's the first time I heard this story. <laughs> That's so awesome. Wow. And since you're going through it, I thought I would ask if you'd want to, to join me. I mean, I might I might have my dad hop on a couple of times and talk to him about yeah. about his journey and stuff. You were so quick to say yes, though. So what, what about this made you decide to possibly well, join me on this well, <laughs> crazy craziness? A, you asked me. <laughs> you know, um, there's not much I wouldn't do for you. Secondly, yeah, I'm I'm on the same boat with you. If I can help somebody else out there feel less alone, we're here. We're here for you. And you provided the format and the platform. Yeah, let's let's do this. See see where it takes us. See where it takes us, right? <laughs> you never know. Might be a couple, might be whatever. Right. So hey, if somebody's listening to this, hi, welcome, and go get your lab work done. <laughs> regularly. That's my big thing. Go get your love work done. You had a lot of different choices of types of procedures that you could get. And I know you had different choices than I did because back in 2007, the lap band was like the latest rage and that was what everyone was doing. And I felt like a lot of people were doing it because the big selling point was it could be removed. And when I jumped in, I knew I was going to go all in. And so I didn't want to have the idea of, oh, I could undo it. Because that seemed like that was just kind of giving into not committing to Mm. it. The sleeve is very popular now. But you still decided to do R and Y. A lot of people are deciding on sleeve. Mm-hmm. I know you had the choice of either one. So what was your your thought process or the conversations you had with your medical team? It was more weight loss. More weight loss, better outcome, and, of course, more permanent. The sleeve, usually there's revisions that have to happen later on, and less weight loss with the sleeve. So I felt for my body type... In my age, it would be a better option. There's a lot of people, too, with the sleeve, they end up with acid reflux. Right. Now, I have found out in, in my readings and studying and with sleeve versus R&Y, you're actually able to eat more on sleeve. You're actually able to tolerate more food. I felt that that wouldn't do me any good as far as discipline that I could revert back to old ways. It would be easier to revert back to old ways. And with the bypass, I'd have this itty bitty pouch, only so much fits in. Portion control. Portion control. (laughs) And I felt that would be better to discipline myself Mm long-term. 
you're three months out from surgery. Mm-hmm. So how is the reality? I know, and you're done. You're looking great. You are. You're looking really great. Thank you, friend. So what's the reality of it been like versus what you thought it was going to be? You know, easier. It's not as hard as I thought. <laughs> I That's mean, probably a good thing. Yeah. The first few weeks were not easy because it shouldn't be. You, you know, you have to be gentle with your body with what's going in and you're healing. Now, three months out, I'm pretty much eating everything except for sugars and fats and carbs. And it's a lot easier. It's almost natural now. Choose the healthier option or choose the smaller plate or choose the smaller portion. Before the surgery, I felt, wow, this is a life changer. This Mm -hmm. is gonna be a big change, wow. Yes, it is a life changer. Yes, it is a big change, but now it's natural. Mm-hmm. So it's it's easy. It's just like breathing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. I have a topic. What? Food. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that we can barely eat? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The thing that gets us in trouble? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> There's no good or bad food. There is just <laughs> calorically dense, not calorically dense. <laughs> I found after my surgery and even now, is it worth the calories? Because I can only fit so much in my pouch mm. that I do choose better quality food than I would before. Mm-hmm. And I'm quick to stop eating something if I don't like it mm-hmm. and to stop if I'm full or if I want to have a bite of one other thing. I'll make sure that I get that in before I'm full. Right. Have you found the way you've eaten has changed? Obviously, you have portion control. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Just being three months out, I have still have to go be heavy protein, heavy protein, heavy protein, which I'm sure you still are. Mm-hmm. Just default to that. It's heavy protein. And what goes down... What the pouch tolerates. You've had some issues with beef. Yeah. Don't do beef for a while. <laughs> <laughs> or if you do prime rib, but I'm just going to chew it like chewing rubber bands mm-hmm. uh, until there's nothing left. Don't chew rubber bands. <laughs> <laughs> do not eat rubber bands. <laughs> Disclosure. Please do not eat things that are not actual food. Thank you. Actually, the quality of the food that I choose is better because I need better nutrients at this point. This morning, I made a little egg salad and I wrapped it up in a charred leaf. You don't know what a charred is. It's leafy green. They're enormously huge. But I chopped it up in like quarters. So I had made little, pardon the pun, egg rolls. Ah, oh, little wraps. Little wraps, little egg wraps. I didn't use regular mayo. I used the low-fat mayo, put some capers in it, and then a green onion, salt, pepper. Boom. What I'm choosing now is better quality food. Not to say I didn't before. Now it's so much more important mm. because we need every single bit of those nutrients yeah because we're not eating to get full yeah. we're just eating to sustain life sustain <laughs> life no, it's true. yeah it's absolutely true yeah i think that's an, also the blessing of this surgery is you're only eating exactly what your body needs that pouch is just big enough mm-hmm. to give you sustenance for you know the next four hours mm-hmm. per se and i will be honest it's a little pricier than just going buying any old thing 
Yeah. Because it's quality over quantity. Yeah. Well, at least it feels that way. Because I'm sure they like the yes. amount you're eating. Yes. At least I find that way. Because I still eat appetizers and stuff. I'm the queen of the to-go boxes. Uh-huh. Yes. And a to-go box, I don't know about you, but it'll last me like almost, if I'm really good about it, three meals. I mean, that's a bargain for a $20 meal. <laughs> Kitty cat's playing in the plastic. Uh <laughs> He's rummaging for snacks. Yes. He's like, mm, why are there some snacks? <laughs> I was really good when I first had the surgery about making sure I had snacks with me all the time. My go-tos were like beef jerky and almonds or like macadamia nuts or cheese. I mean, I still will do a rolled up piece of meat in it with cheese. Mm-hmm. That that was one of my one of my main go-tos. What have been your some of your go-tos? What do you reach for? Lots of chicken, lots of fish. I don't know about you, but I love me some sushi. Oh my gosh. The first year after surgery, whenever I would eat sushi, I swear my body would flood itself with endorphins. Uh-huh. I would feel so good after. Primal. In just like a way I'd never experienced before I had the surgery where my body was definitely letting me know, yes, we like this. Yeah. <laughs> Please give us more. <laughs> we can do this again. That would be good. Thank you. As opposed to some of the other things I've tried where it's definitely, this is a hard no. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing to us? Yeah. <laughs> Let's not do this. Oh, you're going to suffer in a way that you never even knew existed because you ate that. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely have gotten better at tasting things, too. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with literally having a bite of it. But I've also, through the process of all of my therapy and my journey and my journaling and all of that, was not seeing food as joy or pleasure Mm -hmm. or using it almost like a drug Mm -hmm. to get that. Because I was so into milkshakes before mm. I had my surgery. And then reading about the salt, the combination of the fat, the salt, and the sugar. Those are the building blocks of life. Well, <laughs> they did an MRI at one point. I mean, I'd have to look it up exactly where, where who did the study. But they looked at the brain of what happens when you eat food like that oh, versus yeah. drugs and stuff. And it lights up some of the same parts of your brain. Indeed. So you actually can be using food almost like a drug mm-hmm. at times to emotionally try and fill something because of the chemicals that it's are going off in your brain with that, that salt, sugar, fat. Because if you really try it, most fast food milkshakes are not very good. It is possible, I know now, to have a good milkshake, but you can even, like, a little small scoop of sorbet and a little bit of fruit juice is going to give you something that's much better tasting Mm -hmm. in reality Mm -hmm. than that vanilla milkshake that was just a big pile of mushy, salty, sugary fat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, because after surgery, I couldn't have anything with high fructose corn syrup, and there's a lot of bread and sweets that use it as filler and so that just basically got completely eliminated from my diet just like no you can't have this without suffering Mm -hmm. greatly horribly yeah snacks and food i definitely have a different relationship even now with it right i'm staying consciously staying away from carbs so i'm not doing rice moment or bread um or pastas for that matter, maybe a high protein pasta, you know, like a, a lentil based pasta. But even that, that's very little. And I'm still cautious because I don't want to dump and I don't want it to backfire. 
So I'm consciously staying away from them. Like when I have sushi, I just have the sashimi mm. or the protein rolls. The rice. No, no rice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have to be careful with, at least I had to be careful with rice in the beginning. Uh, the first time I ate sushi was a little too early on and it was some of the rice. A couple of my girlfriends and I, we went on a cruise. It had been scheduled for a long time. It, it was... <laughs> It was a whole thing. There was a Beatles tribute band that one of my friends was kind of a groupie for. And oh. they had a Summer of Love cruise. The cruise was in August. Oh, whoa. It was two months post-op. Okay. So, yeah, I ate a couple of things that I should not have. Oh, and wow. Yeah, I knew where every bathroom on that ship was. Wow, yeah. <laughs> for a variety of reasons. <laughs> that first time I ate rice, I was like, oh, that was too soon. And I had it where it felt stuck and yeah that was it was not it was not fun it was not pretty I still remember it even though it was like 16 years later I remember exactly where I was sitting oh I remember the bathroom I ran to (laughs) I remember praying for death (laughs) (laughs) luckily that passes yeah I had definitely had to be very careful even now I have to be careful with pasta Mm -hmm. because a lot of places will cook it where it's al dente where it still has that little bit of the Ah. not quite cooked completely all the way. Right. Like it's soft, but it still is firm. Right. And I found that if I eat pasta that style, it expands in my pouch Ah. and is not good. But if I cook pasta myself, cook it a little bit longer and then I'm okay. Well, you just taught me something. I'm definitely going to, look out for that or when I do make pasta I'll make it my way or ask them to overcook it yeah or have a bite of it and then wait the first time I had a couple bites of it and then I felt it expanding whoa yeah I am having fun finding new recipes I'm a cook I'm having fun looking at recipes making those recipes and knowing that I don't have to cook a whole bunch Mm mm-hmm I'm not going to eat a whole bunch. I'm just cooking enough, you know, the smallest pan I have. Also, my favorite, favorite thing is the mini dashes. Have you seen those dashes before? No. It's actually kitchen equipment. Oh, okay. It's a waffle maker Uh that has the word dash on it. And it's a tiny little thing. Is it kind of like a George Foreman girl? Smaller than that. About the size of your hand. Okay. And TikTok has been really informative in how to make recipes or food products in your dash. Oh. Uh, too bad I can't show you because we're on a podcast. But, <laughs> um, is, it, is it like one of those things you would have seen in the late night infomercial back in the day? Possibly. <laughs> Best way to put it, it's a mini waffle maker. Okay. We'll make like a chaffle. I don't know if you've heard that word yet. <laughs> so it's a combination of cheese and a waffle. Oh, like the Parmesan? Yes. Oh, or Parmesan chips are so good. Or sharp cheddar cheese and with egg whites. Uh-huh. You don't uh-huh. use the yolk. Yeah. Of course, for the protein, add your seasoning if you want, if you wish. Put it in that dash like you would put a waffle in a waffle maker. Close it. And that little light indicator when it goes off, you got yourself a chaffle. Uh-huh. And you could do anything with it. So you can make it. As a bun, whatever sandwich, or eat it as is, put some avocado on it. I don't use sour cream, I use Greek yogurt, just put that on there, and boom, you have yourself like a mini snack. 
Yeah. And that has been so awesome. No, that's really good. I ate a lot of chicken quesadillas. Uh-huh. I'm getting you a dash. <laughs> a dash. <laughs> I'm getting for your chaffles. Take it into work and be like, I'm making my... <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> and you can only make one at a time, so you're going to have a line of people waiting for one of those. That's been a lot of fun. And so TikTok has been, like I said, very... Helpful. Helpful in, yeah. in some recipes and stuff like that. Yeah, that's where... I lend all my support group a lot because I know one of the one of the things I did in the transitional period between like mush and solid food was getting a rotisserie chicken, uh-huh. and then because you could get a lot of meals out of that at yeah. freshly gassed bypass, but also I would put different sauces on it, so like uh-huh. like spaghetti sauce. I mean, I'd have to read labels. I have to be very careful about barbecue sauce. You'd be amazed how much sugar mm. is in barbecue sauce, mm-hmm. but even putting a little bit of that on it or a little Worcestershire or something just to, to mix mix it up a little bit. I think at some point it's like, what can you do to get enough protein in? Right. <laughs> and try and mix it up and make, make it fun for yourself so that it's not, even though for a while the surgery does kind of make eating a little bit of a chore. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where it's like, okay. And to touch on that, we mentioned the barbecue sauce. There is such thing as sugar-free barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. And sugar-free ketchup. I swear to you, I'm about to give you a squirt <laughs> on your finger right now. Sugar-free. Sugar-free ketchup. It is amazing. It's like more ketchupy than ketchup. You're not having all the sugar in. The beginning, I made a, a lot of stuff from scratch because I'd have weird random cravings. And my doctor was very much like, if you have a craving, make sure you eat a little bit of it so that you don't push it away and push it away and then overindulge later. That was one of the things that, that my, my support group and my doctor and the psychologist connected with it were very adamant about Uh if you have a craving try to honor it in the healthiest way possible right a bite of chocolate when you're really craving chocolate especially if it's like during your cycle there might be something you need Mm -hmm. that you don't realize it so Mm -hmm. that you're better off eating one little bite of half a square of chocolate Mm -hmm. and really enjoying it rather than pushing it away and pretending like you don't want it and then gobbling up the whole chocolate bar later and then maybe triggering a dumping episode right and and it's a form of psychological deprivation yeah one of the things i started doing was because marshmallows are almost always made with high fructose corn syrup so there was a little brief period of time where i was making my own marshmallows and i would use either maple syrup or honey it's the same texture and consistency or agave my favorite pie in the whole world of like you know honoring my inner fat kid is (laughs) pecan pie Ooh, we have yes. this really good recipe and it's like I have just enough southern blood for my dad's side that was always my favorite so my mom for a while was on a quest to figure out how to make pecan pie without Cairo syrup right <laughs> how did she find that out when I started making this marshmallow she was like oh maybe I should try maple or honey or agave because in almost every recipe you can substitute one of those and you're getting more of a natural sugar because both honey, agave, and maple come from nature. Uh-huh. So you're not getting that overly processed sugars that you're getting. Because, I mean, it takes a lot to get from corn to syrup. Yeah. <laughs> if you really look at a head of corn and you look at the syrup, you're like, how did this happen? Because they have to turn it into a powder first, and then they have to hydrate it, and then they concentrate. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Right, right. On Thanksgiving, we have pecan pie with agave, and I eat the smallest slice that you could even imagine. But it's enough that I get 
a couple a couple bites of it. I want to try some of that pecan pie with agave that your mom makes. <laughs> well, hopefully by by next Thanksgiving, you you might you you might be there where you can. Oh, I'm there now. You can try it. <laughs> like call her up. Yes. Oh, also another fun thing to not deprive myself with the dessert is sugar-free pudding oh yeah sugar-free pudding and add some of that protein drink to it vanilla protein drink yes you have to psychologically get past the aspartame taste the fake sugary taste but you know what hey you're eating something with zero sugar (laughs) far far less calories Mm -hmm. and you're getting that sweet satiation yeah so that's been one of my go-tos. And with natural whipping cream, you know, not from the can. Yeah, yeah. Where you from actually, the carton where you yeah. actually whip it. Where it doesn't have any sugar in it. No sugar. And you can add whatever you want to sweeten it if you want to. Yes. A little bit of vanilla is really good in that too. Oh, it, it's, you never know the difference. I highly recommend that. Hey, Nadia. Yes. You know... We are here at the Eat Life Podcast to entertain people and maybe teach them a couple things along the way. Uh-huh. But you know what we're not? What? Doctors. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And you know what? That makes us not responsible for any choices that they make with their health. But all of this is our own opinions, our own experiences, any guests that we might have on, it's all of their own personal experiences and opinions. And we assume no liability for anything. Right. You guys, anybody listening to this should be consulting their medical professionals and their doctors about exercise, nutrition, medication, and therapy. Therapy, hey, we love therapy. Therapy with a professional is Awesome. We're here to teach people and share our experiences with you as well. And have a little fun along the way. Make sure you're talking to your team and your people. Yes, because we don't know what we're talking about. Not not professional. Not professional. <laughs> <laughs> cool.